I had lived in Australia, you know, as an exchange student in high school. And so then working at the Outback, I, you know, even just living there for a bit, I was like, oh my gosh, you guys. Or, um, yeah, can I get you guys a blooming onion? Like, I could not. <laughs> it was just... Sorry, I was... Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 104 of the Between You and Me podcast. This episode is brought to you by our friends at JesusWide.com, your number one source for Christian music, news, reviews, and interviews. Between You and Me is the place where we talk to musicians about the things that hurt, heal, and change us in evangelical culture. My name is Jessica Morris. I am an Australian music journalist, and I believe that when we come together and share stories, we can heal, we can change, we can grow, and we can reconcile. That's what the church looks like, and whether you feel like you're in the church or have left or are simply out of the church, there is a place for you at this table. And today's conversation with folk singer Beth Whitney really drives that home. I'm really excited that we can celebrate Beth today. She is a Washington State-based artist, and she has this rich, rich discography um, of these beautiful independent folksy tunes filled with grief and love and strings and guitar. She sounds so different to the artists that we normally feature on here and is really well known in Seattle and in the Washington State area. Now, today I catch up with Beth to talk about her latest album, Into the Ground, uh, which is stunning. You know how you listen to some tracks and you feel like, I don't know, they're playing part of you, like they know, they know you, they're the sound of your heart? Beth has this unique gift of telling that story, of giving you the echoes of your heart and putting it to music. She reminds me of... John Foreman or Josh Gorrells, who she actually lists as musicians that she loves. So if you love that type of music, I think you will love Beth Whitney. Now, Beth also has, I'd say a compelling story, but a really a devastating story um, of grief. She has lost multiple family members, yet she, she isn't afraid to explore that darkness and that grief and that pain in her music, but there's still such a hope to it without cheapening anything or making anything cliche she has done so much work and she gifts this to us this beautiful masterpiece there is some music that feels um commodified and then there's some music that feels like it's a painting and it's really unique and it it's just got the mark of an artist on it beth is one of those artists where you wouldn't have heard anything like this before but you will see it and you'll just know and hear that it's beautiful Now, fun fact, when I was talking to Beth, we actually realized that, one, she used to live in Australia, and two, she literally used to live like half an hour away from where I live. So I told her the city that I lived in, and she was like, oh, I know that. It was bizarre. She even could tell, like, she was like, this is a school that I went to. It was really cool to be able to talk to someone who actually knew my little corner of the world. I say I'm from Melbourne and I live about an hour from Melbourne. Anyway, it was just really fun. Um, And she understood how good Australian chocolate is and how good Tim Tams are, especially compared to American chocolate. I'm just saying. So that was a real unexpected surprise and gift. Now, before I get into this episode, a heads up, we are talking a little bit about mental health, about grief and death and loss. Um, So if that's something you've gone through yourself, just be aware. Uh, We talk about things very sensitively, but if you need to skip on ahead, please go for it. 
All right, you're about to hear a short bio about Beth Whitney, and then we're going to get straight into this wonderful interview. Born to a poetic carpenter and a singing painter in the foothills of Western Washington, it's easy to assume that folk musician Beth Whitney was always destined to be a songwriter. Well, in reality, Beth was actually more inclined towards sports in high school and only took up guitar because she had a compound fracture that actually eliminated her from softball season. This was like the formative Damascus Road event in her life and music career, and we are all the better for it because in the last 14 years, Beth Whitney has emerged as an intuitive, award-winning singer-songwriter, gaining airplay across the US, and she has received more than 2 million Spotify streams. Now, from Beth's early days, music has always been an outlet, a form of prayer and a way to process life. It was instrumental in a grieving process after she unexpectedly lost her brother when she was 18. Her first album, Leave Your Shoes, was released under Malmute Records in 2007 and was the first official collaboration with her now husband, Aaron Fishburne. The two were married and the following year, they released the independent album, Yellow, with the support of producer Brandon B. The Folksy album was a hit and received airplay across the US. And with the addition of touring, Beth continued to ride out the momentum of her now independent career, releasing the album Ukulele in 2012. Life changed for Beth and Aaron in 2013 when she gave birth to a son. But she still found time for creativity and expressed this new facet and journey in her life. She collaborated with artist Bradford Loomis on the record The Banner Days and followed it up with a 2015 Hand Me a Hymnal. Now their work garnered critical acclaim and the pair even performed at the Lincoln Centre in New York. Meanwhile, their single My Beloved, which they co-wrote, achieved more than 2 million plays on Spotify. And over this time, she shared the stage with the likes of JJ Heller, Courtney Marie Andrews, Damien Gerardo and James Tam Revival. Come 2017, and Beth's family grew by one more when she had another child. Again, this made way for more creativity from Beth, albeit through Sleepless Nights, which is pretty incredible. Her album, The Wild Unrest, achieved TV placements and was applauded for its, get this, sweeping dark elegance and imagery nothing short of breathtaking by The Daily Vault. And that brings us to 2021 and the release of Beth's new album, Into the Grounds. And what's unusual about this album is that it was recorded after the sudden unexpected death of a loved one. And she actually finished laying tracks in a log cabin deep in the woods just before COVID put the world at a standstill. It resulted in an eerie yet beautiful collection of tracks chronicling Beth's deep grief and hope just months before the rest of the world was about to experience something very similar. The lead single, Wild Roses, was released in August 2020 and actually coincided with the birthday of her late brother. It was followed by singles I Go, Moonlight, Two Sons and Wild Horse. Beth's new album, Into the Grounds, was released in May this year under Tone Tree Music. I had the opportunity to speak to Beth about the genesis of this unique and profound album. We discussed what it means to take time to rest and heal in the ground rather than simply bloom. And she tells me how God has met her in her grief and tragedy. My friends, this is a remarkable woman and a remarkable musician. Meet Beth Whitney. Beth Whitney, for people who have never been fortunate enough to meet you before, who are you? I am constantly 
asking that question. Um, but yeah, I, uh, on the on paper, I'm a singer songwriter out of uh, the Pacific Northwest, which is um, just it's about two hours uh, east of Seattle, up in the the northwest of of the U.S., um, the lower 48 states. And I live in a cabin out here with my little family and write songs and record. Um, and then sometimes exit hermitude and go into the city and, and play music for other people. Um, and uh, I grew up on a farm, um, traveled quite a bit after school, and then um, and then went to college, met my husband who plays upright bass. Uh, That's so cool. Him, um, Again, I, I knew him my whole life, but I met him again at, at college, and we started playing music together, and dating, and married, and two kids, and now, now, yeah, I'm still sitting here. Who, who am I, and what, what am I supposed to do? You, you've got the building blocks. <laughs> my time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those are the. That's the paper. That's the. Um, that's in the bio. <laughs> <laughs> so true. With all this, why did you decide to start pursuing music and actually making it? Um, a career on top of like living your life and being married and homeschooling your kids and being you. Why music? I, I think I, I think it's it's sort of followed me maybe since I was little, or at least I, I'm told that I would just like wander around the woods singing as a little kid, <laughs> and I my parents would be like, "Do you want to have a friend over or something?" like that's okay <laughs> just like keep and I, I did have a couple really really wonderful close friends who were still close friends but for the most part I just um yeah I wandered and sang and so that's that's early on but um I think the moment there's a couple of moments that really stick out to me one was when I was 16 and a guy at church um held out a guitar to me and he said could you use this and I remember just getting really existential about it for some reason in the moment, you know, those moments where you're like, all of a sudden your brain clicks on and you're like, this is, Im- this is important for some reason. So I, you know, could I use this? Could I use this? Could I use this? Could I use this? You know, it's just, and I, um, and I held out my hand and I was like, yes, yes. And so I started writing songs at that point. Um, and then uh, shortly after that, there was an English assignment for my sophomore English class and I hadn't, I had totally procrastinated and I, um, it was due and it was a big deal. <laughs> and so I, um, I was like, Oh, I'll write a song. The, the assignment was so vague that I could really do anything. So I was like, Oh, I'll write a song about the topic they, they had. And so I wrote the song and performed it and was like, super nervous and feeling like, wow, well, maybe I'll at least get a C or something like that. Um, and, uh, after I was done, they just like all jumped out of their seats, the whole class and just gave me like a standing ovation. And I was like, uh, and that, that, you know, it wasn't like, oh, you know, what a pat on the back. It was not really that so much. It was more just, I could feel as I was playing it, that there was a connection being made and the content was um, was being communicated with people. And they, I don't know, like I, from going like wandering in the woods, somewhat lonely, and then all of a sudden in a crowded room and we're all connected and they're hearing something they haven't heard. I, it just was a really profound moment. And so um, those are kind of the two that stick out to me 
from when I was young, I've never really like switched in my mind, like, okay, now this is going to be my career. I'm going to do this. I mean, it, it, that is the way it is, but, um, it just was very, very gradual. You know, people would ask me to play and I would go and then people paid me to go. <laughs> and then yeah. it just sort of, you know, just sort of happened over time, I guess. Yeah. I was having a yeah. listen to your music on Spotify last night and it's beautiful. I love your voice. Thank I you. love how calm it makes me feel. Um, and I heard Good. tracks from your latest album, Into the Ground, but also because it was Spotify yeah. and I never splurge on premium, I heard old songs as well. And I was really yeah. struck by like you've you've released you've well you've created so many stories in in your music you've you've released mm. quite a few um and I only say that because that takes so much work and as an independent artist it takes a whole lot of courage um yeah have you ever been like has there been a point where you're like I am definitely going to write about God in my music or has that just been uh, like a natural part of your songs I think it's I mean I I always try to write out of a honest you know just honest place and just uh I I teach I feel always what I don't know the word presumptuous or something I say but I teach songwriting sometimes I I host retreats and and that's one of the things I say is just um you know go back over your songs and then you know, not every song has to be like straight from the heart, straight, you know, we know that there's songwriters that just write, just write and write and write just stories that maybe loosely, you know, I think there's always a connection to the heart, but, um, I, I like to, it's easier for me to sing and perform the songs that I've written that are just straight up honest, but, um, yeah. So I think, yeah, God and, and themes of, um, of faith and um, eternity and these things are all woven in because they're woven in to me and um, asking questions on the last album I uh, you know this latest album that just came out I I wrestled over this last verse of one of the songs called Thunder because it says um, it says sleeping is my Lord sleeping under the boat while we fight for our lives? And I, and I, I wrestled with it because it's so, it's very real. It's a very real um, question I have at times, especially recently. <laughs> but um, it, uh, I had to go back to that question, like, or that, that advice that I always give, like, is this honest? Is this straight from you? Is it, um, helpful edifying and true like then then do it so
what it's worth when you said those lyrics as soon as you said that I understand being like wait do I do that how raw and vulnerable is it okay but as soon as you said it I went oh my gosh I even I haven't even heard the song yet I feel I feel seen by God because you were willing to be vulnerable Mm. with those lyrics Mm. um so from what it's worth a relative stranger thank you for sharing (laughs) that pain because in doing that I actually feel like you've created opening for my heart to experience God's grace in that, um, mm. which I think is so beautiful. And I know so many of our listeners will hear that and be like, oh, my gosh, that's right where I am right now. There's someone else who hears that or sees it or feels it and knows it's okay to ask that. Yeah. Um, that that makes your yeah. music so powerful. Thank you. And that takes so much of you and <laughs> so much vulnerability. That's so huge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know like do I do I want to do I want to go there yeah you know and performing it live like do I want to show this yeah vulnerable part of me but but I mean you see it you know it's there in the in the bible you know they in the disciples asked the same thing and you know he said like I think he that's when he called them the uh, little faith ones or are you a little faith yeah. and and I could totally I'll I'll like I'll put that in my bio too. <laughs> like that's that happens, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and that it was a really good question in the middle of a storm, and and he's sleeping underneath. So, yeah, it went in there. Yeah. It's in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So as I was reading your bio, and I've read a little bit about Into the Ground, um, I. I, I read that a lot of this album was written as you were grieving for your brother. Um, I, I don't want to push too hard. <laughs> I know it's very personal, but only as you're comfortable can I ask uh, how how that maybe like influenced or cultivated this album and what that means to you. Yeah, it's um well my brother my brother passed actually like. Uh, 13 well in 2003 so um but my sister passed in March of this year and so no it's no it's okay but the the album I mean almost every album since 2003 there's something in you know there's one or more just grief um you know I'm I'm processing grief in every single one um and I I think that's just one of the beautiful mysteries about music and, um, you know, how we can, uh, almost take something that's so profound and chaotic such as grief and then almost project it into poetry and melody. And all of a sudden, you know, you have like, there's like, the tohu vabohu like chaos can sort of go into place and it's not like oh it's all good now but you can sort of step back a little bit and um 
and look at it. I've always wondered, I've always like said, I, I should ask a therapist if that's like a, if that's like a, not a great response to like, surely it must be a good one. For, I mean, it works. Yeah. To It's like, and just through, you know, forever people have been doing that, singing through grief and singing through joy and singing through all kinds of things. So I'm going to keep doing it, but um yeah, it's one of the great mysteries. But yeah, my, my brother passed in 2003. Um, just suddenly he was in a car accident. I was in South Africa at the time. And what was strange is I, um, the night before I had a dream that um, I had a dream that I got a phone call um, that someone had died in my family, like the, the, the night before. And then I, um, I woke up from the dream and I was like, that's so strange. And um, and then that afternoon I got a phone call from home saying that my brother had died, uh, which is, and I've heard a lot of other people, um, have stories like that too, where they have a dream that sort of prepares them a little, just a little bit for what's, a, what for the news about to come. Um, I don't know. It doesn't seem like we give a lot of like creep, like, um, what is credence the word? We don't give a lot of weight to dreams so much anymore, but I think we should. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then my sister, um, she had cancer and passed in March. Um, and then my, my grandfather died a week later. So it's just been a lot. I mean, then, then there's of course oh, just a global sort of grief happening with every, everyone yeah. knowing someone who's, who's, who's um, been sick or, or has died. So it's, and I, I, um, I tend to sort of, uh, well, especially with social media too, you, you kind of feel the weight of all of it and it's hard to let yourself detach for a second and, and heal and, and be yeah. okay for a bit. But, um, so that's, that's been my biggest challenge I think in the last couple of years is just, um, you know, processing the grief that is right in front of me, but, but also, um, only giving global grief as much as I can and then letting it go, <laughs> going outside and watching the birds and just letting your own body heal. And, um, yeah, that's been really difficult for me, <laughs> I think.
hey, are you a creator? Do you like creating fancy slideshows for church? Or maybe you're a videographer, a podcaster like me. Maybe you just love creating things and you need amazing stock music or videos to fill the needs. That is where Soundstripe comes in. The team at Soundstripe are world-class musicians who have hired world-class musicians to create stock music without all the loopholes of licensing. Simply subscribe and you can select what track you want and license it as many times as you want. It's a great way to support artists and create world-class content. We love our friends at Soundstripe. We have been partnered with them since the first episode of Between You and Me, and we are so grateful for their support. If you would like to use their content or check them out, go right now to soundstripe.com and use the code UMEPOD at checkout for 10% off. That is the code UMEPOD at the checkout, and you will get 10% off. You're welcome. Hey, it's me again. Big surprise, I know. But you know what I love? Nearly equally as much as good music. I love a good band tea. And I love a good nostalgic band tea, which is why I'm a big fan of the Between You and Me web store. If you head there right now, you will actually find that we have throwbacks to some of the most iconic Christian musicians and plenty of ammunition for the next catch up with the friends you survived Christian college with or who also survived being a PK with. Go check out our t-shirts, our hoodies, our masks, because that's a thing in 2020, and even our phone covers or notebooks. We would love you to take home a piece of Between You and Me and remember wherever you go that you belong here, that you are a part of a family of misfits and worshippers and questioners and people who apparently like nostalgia. Go and check it out now at our website, betweenyouandmepod.com and hit the shop button. Is it hard to in some sense, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is it hard to relive some of those painful experiences when you're performing or sharing your music with people or when a journalist is asking you about it? (laughs) Uh, You know, I, every once in a while, you know, it's, it's like, uh, you know, you feel like a catch in your throat and you're like, oh, dang it, (laughs) I'm going to cry and I don't want to cry right now. But, but generally, I, I think it's, I think because I, I grew up in a family that was very um, uh, open emotionally and very philosophical about um, feelings and life and death. And um, so we, I grew up talking about, you know, talking about all these things. And so for me, it's very, it's wonderful to be able to just talk through it. And I, for me, I probably lean in more to the side of reliving things more than I should or processing things past the point of like, you know, needing to, I mean, maybe not, maybe things circle through. You just have to walk through grief when it comes to you. But, um, I, my struggle is, is letting go and enjoying the day and enjoying the moment in front of me. So, um, I do know people who, just like, oh yeah, no, that's a hard emotion. I'm put it in a box and put it away. And I'm like, no, let's let's have a look. Yeah. <laughs> See what's going on. Yes. Let's like look through there. Let's find the root of I always want to find the root of, you know, what's happened and you know, why was that hard and how how does that affect, you know, the rest of you? And, and I found for me, um, you know, my I was eighteen when my brother died, he was twenty one, and I, I found that, you know, on a 
on a good day that on almost a biological level, it, it reminds me to enjoy the people around me who are alive. Like, yeah. cause right now they're alive. <laughs> like, and, um, and then on a bad day, it has me in a state of anxiety, trying to control things and trying to, um, anticipate things that could go wrong. Or, you know, if I have some sort of, you know, uh, premonition or I've had this feeling like something's really wrong and I try to figure it out so that I can maybe stop something from happening. You know, it can, it can be on a, on a bad day. It's a lot of anxiety. Um, but you know, just knowing that helps <laughs> that I have a tendency to, to fall into that and to try to control things. Um, yeah. I don't know if that answers no, the no, it original does. question. <laughs> why, yeah. why or how do you still believe in the goodness of God when mm-hmm. you've experienced so much loss and continue to experience that? Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's a great question. I, re- I remember in middle school, um, one of my best friends, her mom died pretty suddenly um, from like a, a diabetes complication but um and I remember thinking like if someone close to me ever died I would be so angry at God I there's no way you know I'd be I mean I was in seventh grade but I was like remember thinking that and then um you know not that long after my when my brother passed I just didn't experience that I didn't I, I wasn't angry I was like you know, there's, he, there's that promise, like God comforts those who mourn. And like, that was in that, in that time, that was a very, I cashed in on that and, and it was very real. He, he did comfort us in all these amazing ways. And I felt very surrounded and lifted up. And there was this moment. Um, so yeah, when my, when my brother passed, I was, I was in South Africa and, um, I was on like kind of a YWAM. Do you guys have YWAM? Yeah. Or, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was, it was sort of like that, but it was a Canadian program. Um, and so there's like, you know, 24, 25 of us, like 18, 19 year olds. And we were in South Africa and I had, um, I remember walking into the church after, after learning this happened and the leaders had told the group what happened and, I walked in and someone came and, you know, took, took my arm and then the rest of them surrounded me and just sort of, I don't know if they're praying or singing or I don't know what they were doing, but it just totally, it was just, I've never ever felt so much comfort in my life. Wow. Um, so sort of, it's the full, it's like, it's like a connection beyond connection and it's a deep grief and they, when they, and they meet each other and, and, and all, all of a sudden you can see I, it's, it's another one of the mysteries that I don't understand, but, um, and, and there's other things and, and situations that have grieved me where I, you know, where I did feel anger and where I did go, you know, rotate through the stages of grief a lot more intensely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, 
yeah, as far as the goodness of God, I've just experienced it. I, I don't, I don't know how to go around. I don't understand exactly what goes across his desk and what, why he makes those decisions. I, I definitely know that I don't feel like death is the worst thing. Um, and that is significant, I think, in, in my life. Um, and, and my decisions and everything like that. But, uh, you know, as far as like God has taken this person from me, um, or this person is now on the other side of death. And, um, you know, that's, that's not a, that's not a great injustice, um, in my mind, um, just because of what I think is over there is, is over on the other side. So it's, it's, a it's funny. These thoughts are like so far like existential to me that I almost can't grab onto them. <laughs> but, I love that. I love yeah, that. I think my main answer is I've, I've experienced the goodness of God and the warmth and deep comfort and um, the, his gentleness. And it's not something I can dismiss in the face of something that is such a pro can be such a profound loss um but I couldn't speak for anyone else I mean there's people that have experienced much deeper and much more profound loss and much loss that's much closer to them losing a child losing a spouse um I don't know what that's like I don't know that would be a question I'd really like to to hear you know from their perspective yeah From a north wind, you took the sea again, taking all the ocean has to give you, and all I can see it, you getting older now, and all those salty ways I. people listen to this and I'm going to be encouraging them over and over to listen to your new album Into the Ground what do you want them to know about this album before they press play ah. um so this this album was originally going to be called Out of the Ground um, which is a, a lyric from one of the songs um Wild Roses and it, it kind of paints this picture of, uh, you know, the, the deep snow in the winter and then just knowing, you know, underneath the snow, there's an army of wild roses. Wow. Um, and then uh, how do they know when to wake and when it's fallow? These things take time. And then the, the second verse is when they when the roses actually come out of the ground. And, and it goes on from there. But 
Um, yeah, the lyric is out of the ground, the smallest sound, out of the dirt tumbling down around you now. And it's, it's, it's that time when you actually, when all the strength and courage and um, when it's time for uh, some sort of, some sort of change, some sort of awakening, some something. Um, and so it was originally going to be called Out of the Ground, but then I, as I kept thinking about it, I just, I was like, I don't think I'm ready to come out of the ground. <laughs> I think I still have to be in the ground. I think there's more in the idea. So it shifted my mind into the like, no, into the ground. And um, with the, the last what it, has it been two years yet? I don't know, year and a half. Um, that sent me on sort of a, a gardening and um, foraging kind of journey. So I started digging more into the soil, like in my backyard and um, foraging and learning more about the um, plants and everything around us. And I, uh, learned, you know, that soil is not a uniform thing. Of course, there's like real spongy, good, like juicy soil that, that seeds love, most seeds love. And then there's real dry, you know, there's, it's a vast thing, but you want, generally you want that kind of spongy, healthy, uh, healthy soil. And so anyway, this is a super long answer to your question, for it. but, um, <laughs> uh, just that idea of looking into the soil, um, and you know, what is healthy, what is not, what is working, what is not, what will enable seeds to grow and produce fruit. And then of course, um, that, and the, applying that to us, like, what is it that I am consuming? What is, what is the soil that I've surrounded myself with? Um, what is, promoting growth what is promoting death what is what am I consuming and what am I creating and just sort of let's think about that a little bit more often um let's think about um where we are and what we're doing and why (laughs) uh because things are so moving so fast and um it's so easy now to just like consume I think, you know, just consume more media and consume more. So, um, yeah, I, I would love for this album to be a chance for people to just, um, slow down for a bit and consider, uh, the, the world around them and, um, the world, uh, around them that they can't see. Um, and what, we can do about it and what we can't do about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there, there's a song in there called Moonlight and it's really, I wrote it in the studio. I had to choose between these two songs and I was just having a hard time. It was the night before I was going into the studio to do this next song. And, um, so instead of choosing one of those two, I just wrote a new one <laughs> called Moonlight. And it has, in the beginning, it has this uh, verse, um, Moonlight, come down, stay with me you know about lonely and I think you know about me. Um, and it's a pretty short, you know, pretty short verse chorus. And then as this like giant instrumental where I had my friend Natalie play cello and it's just sort of this opportunity to like think about it a little bit and, uh, 
consider the moonlight and um and then um it, it eventually reluctantly does another verse and chorus but really it's about this big space in between um to consider you know it's like consider the lilies consider the sparrows it's it's that that's what that's the whole point i think <laughs> a handful of popcorn questions for you if you could collaborate with anybody living or dead who would it be and why hmm. the answer to that would change a lot like it, it would it changes often but I right now I really um maybe oh there's two I can think of I'll just say two two pieces mm-hmm. of popcorn um Josh Garrels yes. or John Foreman I, I love them both. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, they're fantastic. I would love I would love to work or write or sing or anything with yeah. either of those two. Oh yeah. good choices. Yeah. I don't know why I love your lyrics <laughs> so much, because I also love their lyrics so much. I'm like, okay, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. Um I do too. What has been your most memorable moments uh on stage or performing for people? Hmm. That one, that one came right away. I, I was, um, we, I did a lot of house show tours with a, a band I was in called the Banner Days. Uh, me and another guy and my husband as well um, formed a group called the Banner Days, and we, uh, we would go around and play basically in people's living rooms or backyards or libraries or one time a paper factory. You know, so just good. these like alternate kind of. It was so fun, really fun season. But one time. Um, I was, this sort of goes back to one of your early questions, but one time I was, um, about to play a song I wrote called brother. So it's about my brother and this, this I did write, um, yeah, closer, closer to when he'd actually died, but the song's called brother. And I was introducing the song and there's a, like a seven-year-old girl up front and she was like, um, why is this song called brother? did your brother die? <laughs> just like straight up. Like, did you, and, and I, you know, I was like, yeah, he did. You know, just, yeah. You know, we were all like laughing, having a good time, but it was like everyone in the audience is so uncomfortable. And I'm, I feel bad for them feeling uncomfortable more than anything that's happening. But, um, 
I was like, yeah, he did. And she was like, how? And I was like, well, he was, he was in a car accident. And, um, and she was like, oh, okay. You know, just real candid and honestly kind of like refreshing, you know, but, uh, so then I start playing the song and there's maybe like 30 people there. And the song has a sort of, has this kind of droning thing um, that I sing over top of. And I, I play it on the ukulele. It's pretty sparse. But I'm, I'm starting to play it. And like, for some reason, the everybody in the crowd starts sort of stomping, like unprovoked. They start stomping and it's like the coolest, most moving, like feeling and sound and texture and so I'm just playing ukulele and singing on top of it, and they're just stomping in this kind of, I don't know, really uh, ancient way. Wow. And I, it was kind of the same as that moment in South Africa when everyone surrounded me. It was just like a total flashback to, to that, to being surrounded and prayed for, to just have everyone around me stomping. It's this other phase of grief, maybe, kind of like a you know, an acceptance or like a, yes, we are all, that was another thing I felt is like a collective grief, you know, like I hadn't felt that before, but I was like, everybody in this room is grieving, aren't they? You know? And anyway, that was definitely the most memorable, memorable. I mean, we've, we got to play at like the Lincoln Center in New York and we've gotten to do some really cool things, but no, that it was that was the best. I think that was in Georgia or something. That's <laughs> so yeah. cool. Yeah, I love that. It's um, like a full bowl of popcorn. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> love it, love it. Um, <laughs> my last question for you: um, If you could go back uh, to I'm trying to choose the right moment, um, if you could go back to let's say the day that you started writing your first album whether you started writing with the intent of releasing it or you're just creating songs around that time, what would you say to yourself knowing what you know now? Oh, wow. Um, I'm trying to find that moment in my mind. I definitely was not intending to make an album when I was writing those first songs. It was just, I was joking mostly. I mean, I, they were they were real honest songs, but I just thought it was so funny that you could like, play the guitar and sing poetry over it. And then that was it. That was the whole thing. <laughs> that, that was the trick. Like I did not, that was songwriting, but, um, so I wrote a whole bunch of songs just, you know, just because, um, I, man, you know, I'm having one of those back to the future moments where you're like, what if I said something and then it like, <laughs> I get it. I'm, yeah, but I I moved to I I moved to Nashville when I was nineteen, and I think I was too young. I think I I you know I lived there for eight months or so and worked at the Outback Steakhouse and which is <laughs> which I don't think you have any of those. We but definitely don't. We but do. we have so many connections with Australia here. <laughs> yeah, it, I. I had lived, I had lived in Australia, you know, as an exchange student in high school. And so then working at the Outback, I, you know, even just living there for a bit, I was like, oh my gosh, you guys, they're like, make sure you say stuff like Bonzer Tucker 
and like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> like they don't they don't say that they darn sorry nobody i met ever said that yeah no or um yeah can i get you guys a blooming onion like i could not it was just sorry that's great they encouraged i know they encouraged you know try out your accent and it was just, it was just terrible we were it was a give americans what they I want apologize <laughs> i know we have all kinds of things that just we yeah, that has nothing to do with goodness no i agree i agree um but yeah i i think i would have maybe encouraged myself to um not be or to to reach out to other people and like um make friends and talk through things and not try to be so independent. And, um, you know, there's so much strength actually, you know, I, I was thinking that strength and independence were, you know, next week, you know, we're closer together than they are because really for me anyway, strength is reaching out to others and being honest and especially in the middle of a struggle. Cause I, I tend to, struggle and then you know five months later like make a song and wrap a bow around it and philosophize and like just get it all ready for presentation and then I show people like the struggle I had way back five months ago and and that works sometimes but it's not great it makes for a really lonely life and uh probably harder than it has to be because <laughs> other people have been through all kinds of things and have words of wisdom and I um so yeah that's I probably would try to say something like that but um I, I think since I was the fifth of six kids I really I really was super independent growing up like I I knew the best thing was to you know like find ways to take care of your own needs and and that's what you that's what you do and that's what strength is and so I can see where it came from but it doesn't have to be like that oh I went off to see my brother went off to mumble at his grave his humbling grave Thought I would say hello, maybe stay a while and watch as the roses unfold. But the quiet's got me thinking, I've nowhere to go. Said, That was Beth Whitney. I love that we connected. That one, her story is just incredible and I love her music, but that she actually knew about where I lived in Australian culture. It's like, that's awesome. Most people are too scared to come here because of spiders. We don't see them that often. So that was really fun. Beth, thank you for 
continually sharing your story through all these years, for continually giving your heart to people, for creating something so beautiful and poetic and elegant. It's just, it's like balm for the soul. You have such a way of going deep into the scars and the cracks and the crevices and bringing water and rain. That's where I experience God through music. And you do that so beautifully. Thank you for sharing it. And thank you for this album. Friends, if you would love to connect with Beth Whitney, please go ahead and do it. You'll find her on Instagram at Beth W Music. You can also visit her website, which includes all her releases at BethWhitneyMusic.com. Now, Beth's album, Into the Ground, is out now and it is available on all streaming platforms. Go and get it. It's really good for your soul. Okay, next week, we have another episode for you. And I decided to unofficially continue the theme of mental health and wholeness and healing because October is actually Mental Health Month in Australia. So we started with Tasha Layton and Tasha shared some of her story about uh, surviving suicide and working through mental health stuff. We've talked to Beth Whitney about grief and wholeness and healing. And next week, we are going to speak to an author named Peyton Garland. Now, I literally just caught up with Peyton and she has this really interesting story about growing up in a really, really conservative Southern Baptist church, uh, learning all these rules about what she could and couldn't do as a female, and then seeing how that trauma actually impacted her when she got older and was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. Peyton and I had a fabulous conversation about what obsessive compulsive disorder looks like, what it looks like in her life in different facets uh, and how she actually, I wouldn't say met God in that because she knew God, but actually like got to know and like God as a loving divine being who was for her. It's a really cool episode. Peyton isn't a musician. Well, no, Peyton plays piano. She was allowed to play piano at church, um, but she has a deep, sincere appreciation for rap music uh, and, like many of us, is a recovering church kid. So you will absolutely love her. To hear her episode as soon as it drops, make sure that you're subscribed to Between You and Me on your favorite platform. And while you're there, give us a rating. You can connect with us at any time at Between You Me Pod on Instagram or check out our new website at BetweenYouAndMePod.com. That's all I have for you this week, friends. Thank you for doing life with me. Here's to hope. I've seen miracles my mind can't comprehend There is beauty in what I can't understand Jesus, it's you Jesus, it's you I believe you're the wonder-working God You're the wonder-working God All the meaning I've seen too good to not believe the wonder working God. You heal because you love. All the miracles we'll see. You're too good to not believe. I can't resurrect a man with my own hands, but just the man.
You're too good to not believe